Yeah, so the last time I was at the ballet, I actually fell asleep. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dean McCourt. It's been another wonderful week for football, hasn't it? There was the goalkeeper who smeared his club's history making moments with pie, the triumphant return of a referee who has decided that traipsing around a country with an atrocious human rights record is an okay thing to do. And that's without mentioning the Western Sydney Wanderers fans or the Rad Belgrade ones. Sigh. Still, at least there's always this shake-funded Manchester City to save our belief in the game. Eh? Here to talk about all of that and more is Danny Isroff. Good morning. And Fabian Gorsler. What's going on? Two of the noted fork and spoon operators in the One Football newsroom. Uh, before we uh, wade into Pygate and Champions League chat, here's the usual call for reviews on iTunes. Wherever you are in the world, please go to the store. Please leave a rating. Please leave a comment to let us know what you think. It would, as ever, be most appreciated. Now, we mentioned Wayne Shaw in the intro. He is, of course, the Sutton keeper who ate a pie. I don't even know if he ate. It was more like a duck. It just sort of went down in one go. And... The one of the more fascinating things I found out about this is that he weighs twenty three stone. I don't know what stone is, to be honest. Is that what is that? Oh, I don't kilos? know what the conversion is. Now I didn't have this ready. Well, I mean, you've seen him, Fabs. No, he, I know he weighs. He's, he's over hundred kilos for sure. Right, comfortably. Um, and this reminded me of you both. You're both rap fans, so you'll know a uh, big, big pun. Of course, yeah. it was part of the the terror squad, I believe, with Facho and all. He weighed. 50 stone when he died. I think that's like 700 kilograms. 50 stone? Yeah, 50 I think stone. So, so he, he died from being so fat. Like I think it was a lot of, yeah. He, he weighed like of. two and a half Wayne Shorts. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of pies. That's an of 50 stone. I couldn't believe this when I heard it. Uh, that's a ton. There was a really great podcast with uh, his wife, his, uh, his now widow, I guess. I forget her name on the Combat Jack show. Check that out. Will do. So Wayne Shaw, does anybody feel sorry for him? He sort of had to resign from the club in tears. It's it's a joke. Why why does he have to resign? First of all, it was a pasty, not a pie. Oh, sorry. It was a pasty, not a pie. What, what's the distinction there exactly? Well, I think the bet or the odds were on a pie. Oh, okay, so okay. if he ate a pasty, it had nothing to do with the bet. Because there's, there's technically a difference between a pasty and a pie. Technically. But I did, wouldn't know, but I, I'm sure a lot of British people would know the difference between a pasty and a pie. Okay. Do, um, do is, we know, did people get paid out for it? I think, I think the coach said that, or the manager said that he couldn't swear that his players had not bet on Wayne Shaw eating. And also I think Wayne Shaw said his friends we're thinking or we're talking about putting a bet on him eating a pie as well. Eight to one with the odds. Yeah. So here's the thing for me. What, why is that any different to uh, spot fixing, to a player kicking the ball out uh, after the kickoff and someone profiting off that? Because eating a pie has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with <laughs> a ball being kicked in a game. It has no nothing, no effect on the game whatsoever. Kicking the ball out might give the opposition a throw-in from which they can score. You can argue that. But eating a pie has nothing to do with the, the result or the performance on the pitch at all, especially when all three subs had been used and there were 20 minutes left in the game. So I think it's a bit of a joke that he had to resign over that. He was just having a bit of fun. This is a non-league player who had his 15 minutes of fame, became a meme overnight, and now they're tearing him down because that's what the media loves to do. I, 
I'm yeah. with Fab on this. I, I feel sorry for him. He had to resign in tears. Uh, I, I, this I, is a guy who slept on a couch at Sutton. No, I don't. I don't feel that bad for him. I think if if he wanted to profit or, or or do something fun from his 15 minutes of fame, there were a lot cleaner ways to to go about it. Healthier um, ways. Yeah, definitely a lot healthier ways. Uh, and it, the the truth is, there the rules that are there for a reason, and and he's he's violated them. Of course, it's a the whole Sutton thing's a great story. I think this puts a bit of a stain on the the whole story, to be honest, because this is what we'll we'll remember, um, rather than their spirited performance. But yeah, also it's not like he's a young guy whose career has had to be ended. He's a forty five year old who's you know. I think we'll still remember their spirit and their run through the FA Cup. I don't think this overshadows that. I also think that it, if anything, it highlights how stupid betting has become and what you can bet on. I mean, if you're, if you're, I'm sorry, but if you're an idiot who bets on a player eating a pie at halftime just because he weighs 20 stone, then 23, yeah, never 23, forget. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, then you know it just highlights how stupid you are and how stupid the art like how how greedy they are about making money and, and making ways to make money it's fine it's fun whatever but it has no effect on the game did whatsoever. you um did you read about nick bailey who was one of their midfielders he said before the game i don't think i've ever had a salad in my life or a vegetable it's always worked for me my pre-match meal is always a mcdonald's Nine nuggets. You know what they need at Sutton is they need a dietitian that would solve all their problems. <laughs> I think it might There'd solve be a no few. pies, no McDonald's. Of course, they might even have beaten Arsenal. Of course, you see Bolt famously at chicken nuggets before the two thousand and eight uh, one hundred meters final in the Olympics. I think he could eat a hundred tubs of ice cream and he'd still win. Yeah, probably. Okay, <clears throat> back to football. I think we know where we're all going to start this week. Eight goals, eleven yellow cards, one penalty, bags, brilliant goals, tons of woeful defending, and the highest scoring first leg ever in a Champions League knockout tie. I think it's fair to say that Wednesday night in Manchester was bonkers. How did everybody enjoy it? Well, yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty incredible. I can't ever remember seeing so many kind of violent swings in momentum in the course of a game. I, I just super to watch yeah I mean Leverkusen Atletico was already an amazing game but Monaco City was even better it was just impossible to beat I think going forward does anybody want to pick out a player for praise ooh a single player I thought um, Mbappe for Monaco yes was, that's the answer I wanted was really good I mean he, he he's one of those guys who it seems like it, some people get frightened on the big stage. He just excels. And the the comparisons to Henri that everyone's been making the whole week, I think Henri had a bit of that as well. Mm -hmm. the, the Kind of the bigger the stage, the bigger he played. Do you have any background on Mbappe that you'd like to share with the podcast? No, it's. I, I think he's just sort of the latest in a long line of Monaco. You, you know, in the past couple of years, they've turned their focus away from signing mm -hmm. uh, big stars and, and towards uh, developing these these really talented uh, young players and bringing in young players. and And they're they're doing it very well. They're all fearless, very, very technically um, capable, very intelligent players. And I think he, he's he's just the next one. What age is he now? He's 19, I want to say, is that right? What struck me most is the fact that he's two-footed, that he can yeah. play on either side, made Otamendi look even worse than he actually is. And um, just the intelligence of his runs. 
which is just fantastic. And it was something that that I that I noticed throughout the entire Monaco team. It's just how intelligent their their running was. It's one of uh, Falcao's, I think, greatest characteristics throughout his career. And I think Mbappe will be taking a lot on from uh, from Falcao in that respect. Fal wow. Yeah, I mean, how about I that goal? That that was a. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was, it was just so... It's like the whole game stopped for a second while the ball was in the air. I've been storing up that joke for the week. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know why why he couldn't do that at United or at Chelsea, you know? Like, come on, fuck out. Where was that? I want to make a controversial statement here. Please. Okay, and I want to see what the, the both of you think about this. I almost think the first goal was better. The header? The diving header. It was classic, classic, <laughs> typical Falcao, but... There was no, there's no it way it's better. Ian, come on. Maybe not better. It definitely wasn't better to look at. Maybe in no, terms of like better. a footballing it, goal, like build up, you know that kind of stuff. Maybe, no. but it was not better to look at. Nothing, that chip was amazing. Better. The chip was glorious. Yeah, one of the best goals you'd say you've ever seen live. Because Chris Waddle, who's a famously brilliant English player and technically amazing, was absolutely raving about it afterwards. Said it was in the top ten goals he'd ever seen in his life, given the relative distance he had to chip the keeper and looking at um, what's his name, the city keeper. It's just a, lost my mind. Caballero. Caballero. Uh, yeah, Caballero's position and the space and distance he had to get it up and down. It was just astounding. Yeah, technically very high up there. I think I wouldn't call it one of the greatest goals ever because he he had other options for the finish. I think. Um, and so it wasn't it wasn't forced, but uh, yeah, I think a, that makes it better finish. though. Oh yeah, like it was one of the worst decisions he could have made, well, and then to pull that off, like and and the other thing, and I think this was one of the highlights of the game for me, is it came from a mistake, and so much in that game came from from mistakes, and I was thinking about it. Uh, of course, that made for great viewing, but but the reason why we enjoy watching these teams is is because they produce more mistakes, not because they're necessarily that bad defensively, they were, but because they push up and they press high and they, they ask questions of the other team that, that forces them into mistakes. So that was great. Speaking of defensive mistakes, John Stones. Well, uh, I, I, I want to defend him. I really do because I like... <laughs> oh, really? I, no, no, no. I, I like centre-backs in his mould. Um, I, I, I think... He, he's he's clearly a great talent, but at some point it becomes indefensible, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, kind of pun intended. He really he makes so many mistakes so often that you can't be considered a, a good defender at that level. I have some statistics from the night. He had a ninety five percent pass accuracy, That's zero aerial, aerial duels, one zero tackles, one one shot, one goal. <laughs> Why don't they just play him as a defensive midfielder? Surely that's the position for him. I mean, it doesn't help that he's playing side Otamendi, who is... Did you see that he was linked with Real Madrid this week? I've never yeah, seen a funny story I'm pretty story sure he linked life. himself with Real Madrid. I think Madrid. it was his agent. Yeah. But he is one of the worst central defenders I've ever seen in no, my life. No, he's a fraud. Oh, the thing about Otamendi, I was talking about it with a friend. He, he makes good tackles, uh, so people think he's a good defender. And he looks a bit tough. Right, but, mm-hmm. but he is a complete fraud. He, can, mm-hmm. he cannot do, Defending is mostly mental, and he, just the mental side, he just doesn't do the it. The ease with, with which Mbappe lost him for the simple uh, second goal, which was yeah. just a long ball, yeah, ridiculous. basically. It was just ridiculous. ridiculous. But back to John Stones, why don't they just play him as a, as a defensive midfielder? Because I feel like the reason his passing, I guess that's why you're saying, because his passing accuracy is so high, is because you have a lot more time as a defender, even when teams are pressing. Right. If you moved him forward, he'd have less time and his passing wouldn't be as good. 
And I think the other thing is, I think Guardiola sees him sort of in the mold of a, a Mascherano when he was playing Busquets there at Barcelona for a little bit, where uh, that, that ability to pass out of the back is so crucial to how they play. The, the problem is you can disguise a kind of non-defending centre-back like a Busquets or a Mascherano uh, when your team has the ball the whole game and he's not under pressure, but he is consistently being put under pressure and consistently being asked questions of, and, and he's just failing in that regard. Um, one of the more interesting aspects, well, there's so many interesting aspects of the game, but the Sergio Aguero yellow card. I've seen this a couple of times now. And I'm still not convinced what the answer was. No, for me, it's a it's a penalty. Yeah? Yeah. You're so sure? I mean, it, 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 so many other people think the other way. Yeah, uh, obviously. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's that grey area where... There's definitely contact. I think we can all accept that. And the really the decision is whether or not he's kind of left himself there um, or not. And I, I think personally that's that's irrelevant. I think if he's, uh, as, as soon as the goalkeeper sort of makes that decision to, to, to come and swing his leg through, uh, he's liable to give up a penalty. And Aguero is, is then in a, almost, he's almost, it's almost his responsibility to, to try and win the penalty. And I don't think... Ooh. I don't think he, he's he's dived at all there. Fab, you're on the same wavelength? I think it was a penalty as well, but I think there's another way to look at it. Um, Lewis was saying in the office that um, sometimes it's not a penalty, but it's also not a dive. Yeah, And uh, oh. you could have gone that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was contact, but as Danny just said, it in the slow motion at least, which distorts things, um, it did look like he threw himself into the leg or was already falling before there was contact. Um, so it is a tough one. I personally thought it was a penalty, though. Okay, there is still the second leg to come. How confident would you be if you were a Manchester City fan for the second leg? Well, with that defence, I'm never too confident. But I think what Guardiola will do, he said they need to score, but I think that's a bit of mind games. I think he'll go back to an old Barcelona tactic and just try to keep the ball the whole game. Um, and I think he'll be able to do it. There'll be the advantage that Monaco have of playing at their stadium is not very high because the the, the nobody goes to games and there it's a you know tiny little uh, place. And, and I think um, it's hard to see City scoring two goals fewer than than, than Monaco. Fab. Yeah, I mean two goal advantage, um, no real home advantage for Monaco. So I think. I think City can be more confident than other teams would be having conceded three at home. Um, yeah. Okay. City it is. Um, Fab, you watched another thriller, mm-hmm. the Atletico overcoming of Bayer Leverkusen. As good as the City game? Kind of. Not not quite. It was a good game, but not quite. Um, and I think it was because it was, as Danny said, both games were plagued or decided by defensive errors. I think this game more so than uh, the City game. Um, you had Dragovic playing for Leverkusen, who was absolutely horrible. I'm All, not. I'm not sure I've ever seen a defender be more responsible for as many goals. Three, three of the four goals were completely his fault. The penalty, uh, where you know he got beat and then he fouled him. Yeah. The Torres Torres goal where he just totally lost Torres. And um, he let Saul uh, come inside for the first yeah, goal too. Exactly, yeah. he he was just really really bad, and 
that's going to happen when you're playing against a team with the attacking talent of Atletico and when you're leaving only two players back. When when Leverkusen were pushing forward, it was Toprak and Dragovic, the only two guys back. So mm -hmm. that opened them up to counterattacks and that's kind of where you saw Atletico also just go at them and just run at them and that caused a lot of issues. Then, of course, you had uh, Atletico with a couple of mistakes as well. Um and we ended up with uh, six goals, which was nice for the neutral. Okay. Anything else you wanted to say about the game? Uh, it's a shame that Henrichs will be missing. He got mm -hmm. a yellow card, so he'll be suspended. I think Leverkusen are out. Uh, that's pretty 100%. There's no way that they're going to get anything from the second leg. Does that mean anything for Schmidt? I don't think they were expected to progress. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on how the second leg goes. I think the manner in which they play, if they get a draw, if they if they just lose narrowly, it'll be okay. Um, but I think much more important is how they do in the Bundesliga. And if, if it continues to go downhill there, then he could be gone before the end of the season. Um, I was at the ballet last night. Uh -huh. And the lead... Um, the lead male dancer. Was like, Antoine Griezmann. He looked just like Antoine Griezmann. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's the headband or whatever did, it was. Did he have the, ne the hair, the new... Yeah, yeah, longer, he had that sort yeah. of that slicked back hair thing. So yeah. it looked just like Antoine Griezmann. I don't know, have, you, have you guys ever been to the ballet before? I have, but only because my best friend's sister did ballet and I had to You go. don't have to justify it, <laughs> no, You can just admit I that definitely you have to justify it because I'm not a, I'm not a fan of was that dance. Like, was that like a school ballet or was it like, you know, proper No, Bolshoi? it was a proper outside of school, I guess you call it like a what it, troop, Recital? troop or whatever, mm -hmm. a ballet troop, like okay. the gang. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I've been a couple of times. Danny? I've just been to see my little cousin. I have these two cute little cousins who do right. ballet and they love it. Okay. Uh, but I've never gotten into it myself. <laughs> I can safely say it was one of the most wonderful experiences of oh, my life. Oh, really? It was, it was like, I was trying to put this into my head while, while watching it last night. It was like watching something beautiful for three hours. So I have a lot of my, my friends actually do ballet, which makes it quite surprising that I've never never seen it. And they're always telling me ballet is kind of like football. It's, it's in, in, in the movements and the grace and the... Right, there is something to that, but it's, it's very, like it was so perfectly coordinated and everything yeah. was so perfectly in sync. And they had all these, the, the colours and like these really soft pastels and these kind of moss greens, which were just really relaxing. You could just really take it in. One of the more interesting aspects of this was that the guys were wearing these skin tight does not even do it justice how tight their pants were. And they'd obviously been crunching for days because they'd got asses like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I genuinely could not take my eyes off their asses. And what did, uh, what did the, your, your better half think? She didn't notice it as much uh, as okay. I did. Probably because she was looking in that direction too. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I couldn't blame her. It was, it was astounding. So, so you're going back next weekend? <laughs> I would go back any time. Honestly, it's one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had. Well, I'll have to try it out sometime. Yeah. If you're in Berlin, the Deutsche Opera House, well worth the visit. Uh, being that I was at the ballet meant I missed out on a bit of the Champions League stuff last night. I, worth the sacrifice, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but there was two games, Sevilla against Leicester. Sevilla obviously coming out 2-1 on top. And uh, Porto against Juventus, with Juventus coming out 2-0 on top. Uh, Danny, I think you had an eye on Sevilla-Lens. 
Yeah, yeah, Sevilla. Sevilla, so, Leicester. Watching, I would say maybe watching Sevilla is a bit like watching the ballet sometimes. Right. It's all, all very fluid and, and, and nice to watch. Um, no, it was, I, I think in the end, Leicester will be really, really happy to, to go back still in the tie and actually quite fortunate. Um, Sevilla were, were much the better side for, for most of the game, which I think is to be expected. I mean, it's when you look at it, it's the third place team in La Liga playing the 17th place team in the Premier League. And, and for a lot of the game, it looked like that. Um, uh, they just kind of didn't press their advantage enough to, to, to make the game completely safe. And then I, I think Jamie Vardy, it was basically the only time Leicester threatened at all, um, managed to, to, to get on the end of a across from Danny Drinkwater and now Leicester can go back with a little bit of hope. I was reading some of the quotes this morning actually from Jovetic and uh, Sampaoli and the club present. They were furious yeah. that Sevilla didn't win by more. Yeah. Was, it that, was it that big a gulf? Yeah, it, I mean, the, the pattern of play definitely until Leicester scored was basically uh, Sevilla had the, had the ball the whole time. They had a lot of uh, possession advantage. They, they were creating some some dangerous opportunities missed a penalty um and and Leicester I mean Mares was invisible Vardy until he scored was was invisible uh I thought they were weak in the in the middle Re- really not a good per- you know the kind of performance that we've come to expect from them this season mm-hmm. um and, and yeah to get out with you know they can go back and now and win one nil and, and go through it's just incredible which I don't think they will though um I mean they were Super, super lucky to only lose two one. It could have easily been four five nil or four five one. Um, Sevilla had several clear cut chances which they didn't uh, score. Bad finishing, bad luck, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't see Leicester. It, I think Leicester won't play better at home anyway, and Sevilla will play just as well as they did in this tie. So I think Sevilla will win again. Tony. Sevilla to go through? Yeah, it has to be Sevilla. There's just too 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 big a gap between the two the two sides. Interestingly, two of Leicester's three previous European campaigns have ended against Spanish opposition. Mm, there you are. Yeah. So Porto Juventus. Yep. Again, all I know about this is that there was a red card and that uh Dani Alves scored. For yeah. about the first time ever. I think you in this game, Juventus got kind of lucky. Uh they oh, really? Yeah. I mean they got lucky that they scored two late-ish goals. There was a bit of fortune about the first one as well. Yeah, came back off mm-hmm. the Porto player. Exactly. Uh, Porto had you know got got a player sent off in the twenty-fifth minute. You got I think it was two yellow cards within seventy-four seconds of each other. <laughs> That's clear, amazing. clear yellow cards. Um, and he was complaining as most players do nowadays, even though it was a clear sending off. So they were down to 10 men with over an hour left to play and didn't look like doing anything, but Juve didn't either. The, the, the sending off, when I saw it, I could not believe how stupid that was so early in the game. I mean, it was as clear a, a, a yellow card as you're ever going to see. The, my only explanation is that he temporarily, it's Alex Teus for, uh, for Porto, the left back, temporarily forgot that he had a yellow card. I can't. I can't imagine how he could have flown into that. He he goes there. through the player. The ball is on the other side of the player, and he goes through him about shin height. Just oh. takes him out, and then in the slow motion, you see clearly takes the player out, then hits the ball, turns to the ref, and gives the ref the the finger wag like, no, 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 that's not a yellow. 
Come on, man. Like, and, it's and, a joke. And basically, uh, I, I think the tie was sort of decided in that moment because uh, it, you knew Juventus were going to get a goal at some point and then they go back to the Juventus stadium where they don't concede goals and they don't lose games. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically impossible. I always like it when players do that sort of, that they try to argue afterwards when decisions already been made, like the ref is going to change his mind. It's just stupid. Yeah, so the last time I was at the ballet, I actually fell asleep. Um, really? I was snoring. I was I was out cold because the uh, the butts weren't big enough for you. Yeah, weren't enough to keep you interested. That was that was one reason. No, I I actually had um, football before, mm-hmm. um, and we had the bleep test. Have you guys okay. ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, w- you know, you always have to reach a certain level. Yeah. Um, which I usually did not reach. <laughs> 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 and, and I was I was I was exhausted. And then we were all after training packed. We showered packed into our parents' car and then yeah. driven to my friend's uh, sister's ballet recital. Yeah. And I was sitting there in not the front row, but you know, like how, how there's always like a big gap between two sections. Mm-hmm. I was in the front row of the second section. Okay. So I had nice, I had like a lot of space in front of me. I put my legs out and then I was just out cold. Yeah. Um, my friend had to wake me up a couple of times. No shit, really? Yeah. I once fell asleep at an Arsenal game. Really? Oh, that's no surprise. I mean, yeah. I think anyone, everyone's done that. Yeah. In, in the age of Twitter, you would have been uh, like famous if somebody filmed you. <laughs> that's true. Well, it was, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> we were in a corporate box and we'd had a few beers. So it sort of made sense that I fell asleep. Okay. Um, the one thing I actually wanted to say about ballet earlier that I forgot, um, and hopefully this podcast will soon turn into just a ballet podcast. It's perfect if you've got any form of OCD. Because the the choreography and how everything is balanced is really soothing. Oh, okay. Which might have might have led to uh, you know your sleeping as well. You Maybe. find it just very soothing. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the football. <laughs> um, we have a glamorous competition this weekend in the EFL Cup final, with Manchester United taking on Southampton. United go into the game on the back of an FA Cup weekend win as well as progress in the Europa League, whereas Southampton have been off since the 11th of February, ever since they hammered Sunderland 4-0. Now, besides a couple of Southern League championships in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, the Saints have only one major trophy to their name, the 1976 FA Cup final. Their opponents that day? Manchester United. Manchester United. Amazing, isn't that? Yep. Um, What's also amazing is that Wayne Rooney is off to China. Or at least that's what seems to be happening. I never thought I would say those words. Allegedly, off to China. Well, that's, what's uh, the latest on this? The, what I was reading this morning is that his agent is definitely there in China trying to get a deal done. But uh, people aren't actually so sure that a deal will happen before the end of the, the Chinese transfer window. Which is Wednesday. Next Tuesday, I want to say, but yeah, around okay. then. Okay. Fab, you're a man of a Rooney and Manchester United persuasion. How do you feel about it all? I'll be honest. I'm 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 scared. I'm scared that he'll leave, uh, and I think I'll be I'll be heartbroken. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say. I'm actually really really upset. Did, did you want to tell them what you told me yesterday? If Rooney leaves, I'm gonna get a Rooney themed tattoo. Hundred percent. Will, will it have a Shanghai SIPG badge on it? No, it's not gonna be. It's obviously not gonna be like his face or or you know Rooney ten on my back like a kit. But um, I'm gonna have to think of something really cool. Uh, you know, yeah. Fair enough. Is it a bit too early for him to be going? I mean, I, he's 31. 
He still has a decent in- amount in him, I would have thought. It, it depends on what Mourinho wants with wants to do with him. I think uh, I was reading the article that you suggested yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. from the Telegraph, right? Yeah. How uh, masterfully Mourinho has managed uh, Rooney's exit from the first team, basically. Mm-hmm. I do think that there is an option that Rooney becomes United's uh, Totti. Mm-hmm. coming off the bench and his leadership is still very very important but it, i think it all really depends on whether Mourinho wants to keep that leadership around well that and what rooney wants to do i think i mean paul, paul scholes came out and said and obviously he knows rooney he, he wouldn't be happy on the bench and it's become very clear that he's he's not going to get back into the first team at this point i i don't know if he could get into too many first teams at the at the top end of the premier league so basically uh, if if playing is important to him at this stage in his career, he's gonna have to look uh, look abroad somewhere, China or MLS or wherever it is. Okay. Um, getting to the final itself, is, will Rudy be fit? He he has been training. Um, Mourinho said before last night's game that he was back training again, but that he would not be fit for the Saint Etienne game. Um, he didn't give any clarification whether Rooney would be fit for Sunday, but you you'd have to imagine with two or three days of practice, he should be he should be and, fit. And make a tearing in character out, right? So exactly. Attempted to put him on the bench. Yeah. Right. How big a loss is is that going to be for United against Southampton? I think it. I think Carrick actually will be the bigger loss because we have uh, a lot of players that can come in in the attacking positions mm-hmm. on the wing. Um, Especially in the League Cup. It is a final, but it is still only the League Cup. Um, I'd love to see Rooney start. And, you know, uh, if he really is leaving, you know, finish with a bang, you know, put in a hat trick and, uh, you know, lift the trophy at the end. Uh, that would be very nice. It would be a lovely way for him to finish off his, his United career, though. Yeah, the domestic trouble. Premier League, League Cup and the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do think there's Anyways. a good chance of them getting the double. With the FA Cup, you mean? With the FA Cup. Yeah. I, the league is probably a stretch, let's say. Never say never. Especially when Rooney is around. Anyways. <laughs> I'm saying never. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying So never. am I. <laughs> um, it is, you, you mentioned it is only the EFL Cup, but I think for Mourinho that would be a, a fairly important one to win at this stage it would really justify his season so far I think so too especially with the opposition Southampton they're no you know they're no walkover it's mm-hmm. not like they're playing a you know second league team or something mm-hmm. like that um, so he will play a strong team he definitely will you, you will see Ibra you will see uh, you know the likes of Pogba Martial mm-hmm. um, which is why Rooney might even find it hard to break into the first team for this match. He, like Danny said, he might be on the bench. Um, and the FA Cup is no given that they'll win that. So Mourinho will be desperate to win at least one trophy in his first season. I think he'll count a charity shield as another one, though, won't yeah. he? Like, yeah, he probably will, yeah. He's like that. It'd be the second. No, I wrote about it a bit in the, uh, in the, in the uh, preview. For, for some of the matches this week, I think everything's kind of falling into place with Mourinho. And again, you see, you see this pattern where maybe the first season he's kind of feeling out uh, his, his team, trying to trying to mold it, trying to turn it into uh, the kind of system that he likes. And they've come on really strong in the second half of the year. Um, and I, I, I think a, a trophy will give them lots of confidence and, and um, give him lots of impetus to to really go ahead and and try challenge for something greater next season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's true that the United have looked very, very good since that early bad run of form. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, but, since Rooney went out the team. But anyway, if you want to put it like that, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna comment on that. But um, but they have not been at their best the last couple of weeks, the last two three games. Yeah. Um, even last night, uh, it was it was a professional job. It was better mm-hmm. than the first leg, but it still wasn't as good as they can play. Good sign that they're still winning, though. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is kind of the mark of of kind of like a Alex Ferguson side, you know, mm-hmm. winning when they're not really supposed to be winning mm-hmm. or not playing to their best. It certainly does. One of the things I'd written down here is that they haven't. They've only lost once now since early November. It really feels like everything's clicking into place. Yeah. Place for Mourinho. I think it's one in twenty-four, and it looks like a Mourinho team now. You know, they they they're sort of very organized, both with and without the ball. They control the game, and then there's the the match winners in the squad, uh, who who can sort of get them over the line in in most games. Which it's, is the difference between Mourinho and uh, Moyes and Van Hal. They both Moyes and Van Hal wanted a specific type of United but they didn't manage to get there they were mm-hmm. always short and it looks like Mourinho has gotten there or mm-hmm. almost there a lot lot quicker yeah. which is a good sign good sign for United fans uh, it's a lot of talk about United Danny you've been reading up about Southampton yeah so I presume you have something to say about them no I do um, they've had a pretty good run to the final they've defeated Premier League sides so Crystal Palace Sunderland Arsenal Liverpool in every round and yet to concede a goal and uh, I think they played really, really well in, over the over the two legs against Liverpool in particular. Kind of, kind of a template for what they might look to do against against Man United. Um, I think for for Southampton, it's a, it's a great story in lots of ways, and it's just rewards for for the the process and the the progress that they've made uh, over the past few seasons. I think. Um, when you look at it, I, it's a bit like Sevilla. I don't want to quite compare them because it's not the same level. But how they've managed to sell off their best players every season, uh, you know, lose managers to bigger clubs, and still come back and uh, achieve a certain level of success every season, uh, especially when you consider the fact that they were in in administration what seven eight years mm-hmm. ago, uh, it, it's really really impressive and and great to see. One of the better stories around football these days, Southampton. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, there is talk of Martin Karekas making his debut. Uh, Kasteras, yeah, he, Kasteras. I mean, he, he, uh, he, I think he's going to play. I mean, they have the injury to Virgil van Dijk to, mm-hmm. to deal with. Um, and then obviously lost Jose Font. So I think he'll come in next to uh, Maya Yoshida there. He's a, it's, a, it's a crazy signing. I mean, he's won La Liga. He's won the, the Scudetto five times. He's won a Copa America. He has a great pedigree and is a really decent player when when healthy. And yet nobody wanted him. Yeah, yeah I think it's the, the injury record more than... More than so he hasn't played since last February. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot of playing, but he does does do a lot of uh, medal collecting. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, good for him. Um, we're going to talk about maybe a couple of the key players on the day. Sure. I think for Southampton, definitely the, the new signing, Gabi Adini. Um, from from Napoli, who's come in and and settled in real well. I think anyone who watched him in Italy knows he's a he's a very talented player, uh, who uh, for obvious reasons was was having trouble getting into the 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 Napoli side. But he's come in, he's scored I think three goals so far yep. in, in in a couple of games. And uh, you feel that if the chance is, if Southampton create a chance and it falls to him, he will be able to take it. And Ibra for United. <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, Ibra and Pogba obviously are the the the, the key players in terms of game changing ability. But I think 
the biggest or most important thing is who replaces Carrick and which midfield three. I, I, I would consider the midfield three as kind of like one key player. Like how mm-hmm. they work together right. is is very important. What to, would you go for? Or who would you go for? I mean, obviously Herrera, um, Pogba, maybe Rooney. I know, I know, no, I know that Mourinho has said that he doesn't yeah. um, doesn't see him as a midfielder. But if you look back at how Rooney played in the FA Cup final, uh, mm-hmm. which was also a very big game for United, it was the first trophy after Sir Alex Ferguson left. Um, he played very well there. In one of his better midfield performances, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, and as important as a first trophy is to Mourinho, it is the League Cup final. So why not throw him in there? His leadership will get them across the line. Full of optimism. Why? Why? Who? Who would you put? Who would you put in there, uh, Danny? Basically, any player in the squad, not named Wayne Rooney. Wait, I mean, uh, I can I would, see him playing Fellaini. I, I think, maybe. I think uh, if he might be tempted to go with uh, Mata in the in the number ten and drop Pogba back a bit. Yeah, I think he, he might want to do that because they're going to have the ball and and it's going to be about unlocking Southampton. So the more sort of. Um, locksmiths, if you like, in the team, the, the, the better chance of doing that. That's true. Mata's quite good at that, I've heard. Yeah. Predictions before we wrap up the podcast? I think it's going to be tight. I think 2-1, either way. Um, obviously, I'm going to say United, but it could go the other way, too. Dang. I like um, Manchester United in penalties. Ooh. In penalties? Yeah. Nice. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Fab, Danny and our producer, Damien. Wherever you are in the world, please go to iTunes. Please give us a rating. Please let us know what you think of the podcast. Thanks for listening.